have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportion. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. That the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. They will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall never surrender. My prepper brothers and sisters, you arrived at the bunker. Grab a cup of joe, a stout tea, or maybe your favorite adult beverage. This is the prepper's place for open discussion on whatever the hell we want, brought to you whatever the hell way we want. This is the new format of the OGTX Bunker, a prepper survivalist show. So sit down, kick back, post up, relax, and welcome to the bunker. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Preppers, survivalists, off-gridders, homesteaders, and the like. Welcome to the OGTX Bunker, a prepper survivalist show. Speakpipe.com slash OGTX, SHTF at offgridtx.com, OGTXBunker.com. I want to thank you guys for joining us. If you're new to this podcast, welcome to the bunker. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review. Those five-star reviews really help with the search algorithms and attracting new listeners. If your podcast player allows you to leave a review for each episode, please consider doing so as well. Tonight, we'll need to put on our tinfoil hats because we're going down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories to discuss FEMA camps. But before we get into that, here's another real-life story of survival. A man has been rescued after surviving more than three weeks in the Alaskan wilderness with little food or shelter. State authorities rescued 30-year-old Tyson Steele after a fire destroyed his remote cabin. He lived on canned foods that survived the fire and made a basic tent out of the debris in sub-zero temperatures. Authorities only found Steele after concerned family members asked them to check on him. He had written an SOS message in the snow by the remains of his burned-down cabin. He bought the cabin made from tarps and planks from a war veteran. The hut was in the remote Susitna Valley, northwest of Anchorage, about 20 miles from the town of Skuentna. Steele is not exactly sure what night the fire started, as he had been living alone in the cabin since September. But he believes it was the 17th or 18th of December when he put a big piece of cardboard in his wood fire stove. It started with a pretty hasty mistake, he said. I've had wood stoves all my life. I knew that you don't do that. So it sent a spark out through the chimney, which landed on the roof. Steele woke up to fiery drips of plastic falling from his roof early in the morning. He ran outside wearing only boots, long johns, and a jumper to see that the cabin was fully ablaze. He ran back in to grab blankets and his rifle as smoke filled the room. 
The fire ignited hundreds of rounds of ammunition and a propane tank in the cabin, stored near the food supply. It was like a war zone, Steele said. He shoveled snow on the blaze for hours but could not save the shelter. He gathered what cans of food had survived, many of them had popped open in the heat, and he said all the food ended up tasting like burned plastic, and spent the first two nights in a snow cave. He then fashioned a basic tent from scraps of tarps, built in a dome around the wood stove. It wasn't cozy, but it just took the edge off. Steele managed to keep the wood stove burning by using tree bark and a candle he kept with him. He stamped an SOS sign in the snow using ash to make the letters stand out, and he made a trail to the frozen lake nearby where he thought the rescue plane could land. I'm not exactly trained, I've just always been in the outdoors, he said, watched a lot of YouTube videos. He was eventually saved when his relatives, concerned by his lack of contact, asked authorities in Alaska to check on him. Plastic started dripping from the ceiling and uh, dripping like on fire, you know, like dripping balls of fire. And I tried to put it out as, as fast as I could, but it spread so quickly that I realized I just got to grab a few things and get out of here. I got to grab my dog. What he meant to me was every, everything, I'm, all the things that I was losing. I, I had no thoughts for, uh, oh, I'm losing all my stuff. I don't care, he, he was the thing I, I, I wanted to save. Two years of food supply was dwindled to 30 days, maybe, maybe 30 and 35 days of one can for breakfast and one can for dinner. I, I, got, I got pretty sad, sad a couple times. I knew someone was coming. I had a, a, a regular schedule of calling people. I kind of laxed on the schedule, and that's why it was gonna take three weeks instead of just uh, a couple. When I look back at, at my feelings when the helicopter came, was it was, uh, I, I think that I was excited to be warm again, and uh, I was excited that I, I could get some food again, you know, some flaming Hot Cheetos, just junk food. I, I imagined like I get a stash of junk food. Um, and uh, I did when I got to Anchorage and it kind of made me sick, but. This is uh, the life that I've uh, worked a long time to build. I've put years into finding the right parcel. I, I found it. I paid uh, all the money that I have made over the last few years for it. I absolutely want to go back. Rescued California sisters, ages eight and five, say they survived by drinking water from leaves and keeping happy thoughts about their family. Leah, eight, and her five-year-old sister, Caroline, spoke publicly for the first time describing how they got lost while walking on a deer trail and wandering past a fallen tree on their family's 80-acre property that their father, Travis, warned them never to go beyond. The girls were found on Sunday afternoon by two volunteer firefighters about 1.4 miles from their home in the Royal Humboldt County town of Benbow. Travis estimated the girls had probably walked six miles before they were found. Leah said that at one point she and her sister realized they had walked in a giant circle because they noticed the same metal poles that they had already passed. Leah said she and her sister used Caroline's rain jacket as shelter, cuddling together under a huckleberry bush to keep out of the pouring rain and to try and keep warm as nighttime temperatures dropped to 38 degrees. My sister cried the whole night, Leah said, of the first night they spent lost in the forest, and I told her to keep happy thoughts of our family. 
Misty said she noticed her girls missing around 3 p.m. and started screaming out their names, but they were nowhere to be seen. I felt awful, terrified, and guilty, said the mother. The parents called Humboldt County Sheriff's Department, which immediately launched a search that grew into a massive search and rescue operation that grew more than 200 law enforcement and military personnel from throughout California, including two helicopters. The girls survived two nights and most of Sunday morning with no food, huddled in a bush they called their Huckleberry home. Leah said they also used survival skills they learned on family camping trips, their participation in 4-H, and from watching movies about people being lost. I know how to start a fire, Leah said, explaining that she attempted to start a brush fire, but gave up when it suddenly got sunny. Travis said that while searching for his daughters, he came upon the brush pile Leah had built. The key lesson the girls said they followed was to stay in one place once they realized they were lost. The girls were found about 10.30 a.m. on Sunday by Piercy, California Volunteer Fire Chief Delbert Crumley and Firefighter Abram Hill. Authorities added that one of the best survival lessons the girls utilized was to stay put in their Huckleberry home once they realized they were lost. Hypothermia could have set in, but they kept dry. That was the key thing for these girls. As far as their appearances go, no scratches, they weren't wet. They were smart enough to stay under canopies of tall trees and stay near the tree trunks. They hiked all the way to the location and stopped when they knew they were lost. That was exactly what they were supposed to do. They looked like they were out for a stroll, like they were only gone for an hour or so from their house. We go on camping a lot each summer. <laughs> And I knew how to start a fire because I watch a lot of tropical paradise movies. Wow, that's good. And what did you do? How did you start a fire then? Did you start? Well, first we learned to find a little round stick that we rubbed against a plank of wood and we had to make sure it was dry. And we learned to get a pile of sticks to keep the fire lasting. We found shelter of a tree branch close to the ground. And we had my sister's rain jacket to keep us warm. So you guys shared the rain jacket together? We turned it sideways, so each of us had an armhole that we stuck our arms into. So oh. we wanted to get separated. And did that help your bodies stay warm together? Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. But our heads were starting to get wet because there was this big gap that I didn't know, since so it was starting to get dark. So we pulled it over our heads. And how did you feel, Carolyn? Um, a little scared, but we found the scariest part the day after that. was nearby. That. Yeah, and it, there's only a little, there's a big giant gap, but it rain fell on my head. And it, yeah, so I used my hood to cover my face. Because I had a jack with the hood. And then, did you spend the whole night, or did you cry? My sister cried the whole night, so... I told her to think happy thoughts of our family, and I kept watch for most of the night. What kind of happy thoughts did you do? Um, I thought of going to the park with mommy and daddy. I thought of going to the ocean. I thought everything that I remembered, but it didn't work. When I got to sleep, I thought. Happy thoughts of our going on vacation in Monterey. Yeah. When we woke up, we stayed in the same place so Dad could find us. And there was a creek nearby, and we saw nursery rides on the top of our lawn till the second morning. We heard helicopters, and we yelled at them, but they couldn't hear us because of their loud motors. I felt a little nervous and a little afraid. But I knew Dad found us.
eventually. Guys, we've got to give mad props to Leah and Caroline for surviving 48 hours in the woods and to their parents for teaching them at such a young age how to survive situations just like this. Very impressive. All right, put your tinfoil hats on. It's time to talk FEMA camps. Let's do this. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Military industrial conflict. And we as a people will get to the promised land. We will make America strong again, proud again, safe again. We will make America great again. Speakpipe.com forward slash OGTX, SHTF at OffgridTX.com, OGTXBunker.com. I was recently asked by two different people on two separate occasions about the FEMA camps. Now, I'm not going to mention who these people are just to protect their privacy. There's a lot of folks out there that, that have a lot of questions about conspiracy theories, but they don't want other people to know that they have these questions. So I'm not really sure, but wasn't given permission, so I'm not going to mention who they were. And one of them asked me, so what's up with these FEMA camps? And the other one asked me, do you know anything about FEMA camps? Should we be worried? Well, my simple answer to both was, if you're prepped and you keep your eyes and ears open, then you have nothing to worry about as far as FEMA camps are concerned. Now, this was a truth, or at least at least a half-truth. You see, it's been a long time since I've concerned myself with FEMA camps. And to be clear, they're not officially called FEMA camps. They are referred to as citizen relocation and detainment centers. They're also called detention centers, even internment facilities. But I haven't worried about FEMA camps in a long, long time. Now, way back in the day, well over a decade ago or so, I was somewhat of a conspiracy theorist. I still am. And actually more than somewhat. I was spending most of my downtime, my leisure time, diving down rabbit hole after rabbit hole, looking for every government cover-up or conspiracy I could sink my teeth into. I used the catchphrase, question everything, all the time. I even had a t-shirt that said, question everything. That's, that's who I was. And still partly am. I spent... I don't know, an incalculable amount of hours looking into everything from MK Ultra to UFOs to 9-11 and to FEMA camps. Now, I even joined a, a, a full-on protest outside the front gates of a citizen relocation center, a real-life FEMA camp. We had the signs made up and, and we were hollering. They had a bullhorn. It was pretty cool. So I know that they exist. They are real. And I knew back then that I wouldn't ever allow myself to be taken into one of those places. Never going to happen. No way, no how. In fact, the fear I had of these prison camps is part of the reason why I became a prepper survivalist. It was a common um, opinion within the world that I lived in that the government would not have to force people into these camps. That's what we knew. We knew this because most people would be begging to get in. If the emergency situation was bad enough, in the events of an SHTF situation most likely caused by the government, your best chance of survival for you and your family is to come. Come to our safe place. We have food. We have water, cleaning bathrooms, beds, entertainment, medicine, protection. Just come on in. If you, can, if you can't get here, we'll send someone to pick you up. We're the government. We're here to help. That's what we knew and is still true. These places scared the crap out of me. So it was well known within my circle of friends and peers that the, the more prepared you were, the less likely you would end up in one of these camps. And that sounded pretty good to me. 
So once I got myself prepped and trained in survival, enough to feel pretty comfortable with, you know, making it through a long-term SHTF Tiawaki situation, I was no longer worried about a lot of things, including FEMA camps. In fact, I completely forgot about them. They just faded away into the back of my mind. You see how that works, guys? Being prepared alleviates the fear. People say that prepper survivalists are living in fear. I say the exact opposite is true. We live without fear because we are prepper survivalists. That reminds me of a story I heard a long time ago. But being honest, I don't know really where it came from. It, it may not be true. It may just be one of those funny tales that, you, that was created to get you to think about stuff. I'm not really sure. I, it was so long ago, I can't remember. But it goes like this. A man gets pulled over by the police for speeding. The police officer asks the man if he has any weapons in the car. The man replies, yep, I got a Glock, a Smith & Wesson, two Berettas, an SKS behind the seat, and two sporting rifles in the trunk. The officer says, whoa, that's a lot of guns. And asks the man, what are you so afraid of? The man looks at him and says, not a damn thing. The more prepared we are, the less fear we carry with us through life. Make sense? So, who is FEMA? Well, here's a straightforward answer. FEMA stands for the Federal Emergency Management Agency. It is an agency of the United States Department of Homeland Security. FEMA's primary role is to coordinate and respond to disasters and emergencies that occur within the United States and that overwhelm the resources and capabilities of the state and local governments. FEMA's mission is to help people and communities prepare for, respond to, recover from, and mitigate the impacts of disasters, both natural and man-made. The agency provides assistance and support in various areas, including disaster response coordination, disaster recovery funding, emergency management training and education, and hazard mitigation planning. During a disaster, FEMA works closely with state, local, tribal, and territorial governments as well as nonprofit organizations, private sector partners, and the public. The agency helps coordinate resources, logistics, and response efforts to ensure an effective and efficient response to the disaster at hand. FEMA also plays a role in providing financial assistance to individuals, households, and communities affected by disasters through various programs such as grants, loans, and insurance programs. Okay, so what are FEMA camps then? Well, it's been a long time since I've heard folks talk about FEMA camps. I haven't looked into it. I haven't checked online until this podcast. You know, and it's been so long that some of you may have no idea what FEMA camps are. You may not even have ever heard of it before. Depends on how old you are. Let's get the, uh, the standard homogenized non-conspiracy theory answer to the question. What is a FEMA camp? FEMA camps is a term that has been used in conspiracy theories and urban legends to refer to alleged detention facilities operated by FEMA. According to these theories, FEMA camps are believed to be large-scale facilities or camps set up across the United States to detain and imprison citizens during times of national emergency and martial law. However, it is important to note that these claims are unfounded and lack credible evidence. There is no verifiable information or documentation to support the existence of FEMA camps as described in conspiracy theories. The Department of Homeland Security, which oversees FEMA, has repeatedly denied the existence of such camps. FEMA does not operate detention facilities or engage in activities related to the detention or imprisonment of citizens. It is essential to critically evaluate information and rely on credible sources when assessing such conspiracy theories to avoid spreading information or undue fear. Okay, if you ask the question, 
has there ever been any truth to the conspiracy theories about FEMA camps? Let's just pop that into the, 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 the search engine, okay? You'll get a response like this. No, there is no truth to the conspiracy theories about FEMA camps. These stories have been widely debunked by multiple credible sources, including government agencies and fact-checking organizations. The origins of the FEMA camp's conspiracy theories can be traced back to the late 20th century when certain individuals and groups speculated about the potential use of FEMA facilities for nefarious purposes. These theories gained traction, particularly in the aftermath of major events like Hurricane Katrina in 2005. However, investigations and inquiries conducted by reputable organizations, including government entities, have consistently found no evidence to support the existence of FEMA camps as described in conspiracy theories. The Department of Homeland Security, FEMA, and other authorities have repeatedly denied the claims and have provided transparent information about the actual function of FEMA and its role in emergency management. Disseminating baseless claims or misinformation can have negative consequences. That's the type of answer you'll find out there online that tells us everything we need to know about FEMA camps. But do they actually exist? Well, yes. In fact, they do exist. They are currently called immigration detention centers, and they have nothing to do with FEMA. FEMA does not own or operate these facilities. They are managed by three agencies. They, uh, the Customs and Border Protection, that, that's border, border Patrol. Uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, that's ICE, and the Office of Refugee Resettlement, which is the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And according to the NIJC, the National Immigration Justice Center, there are more than 200 of these detention centers in the U.S. But there are still plenty of people and organizations out there that disagree and still think that these are, are, are lies and disinformation to keep the public pacified and feeling safe. The Geopolitical Monitor, which is a website, wrote an article describing what they feel is actually going on with the U.S. FEMA camps. Here is some of what they wrote. The United States Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, has numerous detainment camps throughout the U.S. states. Some camps have been recently constructed and or renovated and are fully staffed. The existence of the camps coupled with presidential executive orders giving the President and Department of Homeland Security, of which FEMA is now part, control over national essential functions in the event of catastrophic emergencies have resulted in concerns that the camps will be used to forcefully detain American citizens for unconstitutional purposes. Here's something about the development and construction. In August 2002, then Attorney General John Ashcroft called for American citizens who are deemed enemy combatants to be detained indefinitely without charge and independently of a judiciary. This legal position was upheld in a case of a U.S. citizen detained abroad by the 4th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in a January 2003 ruling. In October 2006, the Military Commission Act was passed by Congress. The legislation applies to non-U.S. citizens and permits individuals labeled as enemy combatants to be imprisoned indefinitely and without charge. It also denies non-military tribunal judicial review of detainment disregards international treaties such as the Geneva Convention and states that it is the president who defines what constitutes torture. In January of 2007, the American Civil Liberties Union released a report based on documents obtained by a Freedom of Information Act 
showing that the Pentagon had monitored at least 186 anti-military protests in the United States and called more than 2,800 reports involving Americans in an anti-terrorist threat database. For some time, FEMA has been renovating and constructing new detention camps throughout the country. In January 2006, Halliburton subsidiary KBR announced that it had been awarded an indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contract to construct detention facilities for the Department of Homeland Security worth a maximum of $385 million over five years. Their stated purpose? Little has been said about the purpose of the detainment camps, but when official comment has been made, it has stated that the camps are for the temporary detainment of illegal immigrants. Citizens who are concerned about the purpose and potential use of the detainment camps have documented and, when possible, filmed the detainment facilities. A current estimate of the number of detainment camps is over 800 located in all regions of the United States with varying maximum capacities. If we include government buildings currently used for other purposes, the number is far greater. Video of renovated but empty detainment camps has already been released. They want to say the scale and purpose of these places vary considerably, as do the political regimes that have created them, but they share certain things in common. Most were established as temporary or emergency measures, but have outgrown their original stated purpose and become seemingly permanent. Most exist thanks to a mix of legal ambiguity, detention centers operating outside the regular prison system, for instance, and physical isolation. And most, if not all, have at times been described by their critics as concentration camps. But the disturbing truth is that concentration camps have been widespread throughout recent history, used to intern civilians that a state considers hostile, to control the movement of people in transit, and to extract forced labor. The concentration camp is a symbol of everything such societies are supposed to stand against. The arbitrary use of power and the stripping of people's rights, the systematic removal of liberty, Dehumanization, abuse, torture, murder, and genocide. Now, I remember seeing a video, or several videos actually, of tens of thousands or maybe even hundreds of thousands of these things called FEMA coffins. Some of you may have heard of them. Some of you may have seen the videos of them. Apparently, these coffins are being stored by the U.S. government some years ago on land owned by our military or by FEMA. Now, these videos went viral they, they sparked even more conspiracy theories about FEMA camps. Um, all kinds of crazy stuff went out there, and I've seen the videos. So for a lot of people, these FEMA coffins go hand in hand with FEMA camps. It's hundreds of thousands plastic coffins. So each one of those is a separate coffin stacked on top. There's probably, what, 20 to 25 per stack. Officially, they're plastic grave liners. Seven feet long, three feet deep with lids. The company that makes them says they're just being stored for people's pre-needs. Well, who in the hell has a pre-need for this many coffins, unless they're planning a massacre? The Austin American Statesman wrote an article about these coffins. The clip, which was posted to TikTok and reshared on Facebook September 9th, shows former Minnesota government and professional wrestler Jesse Ventura with conspiracy theorist Alex Jones in Madison, Georgia, hiding behind trees next to a plot of land filled with what they called hundreds of thousands of plastic coffins. While looking over the scene, the two men discussed claims that the government was holding these coffins in preparation for a biological pandemic, which would be used to kill thousands of dissidents 
and send people into concentration camps owned and operated by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA. Officially, they were plastic graveliners, seven feet long, three feet deep, with lids. Ventura is heard narrating as the camera pans to stacks of black containers. The company that makes them says they are just being stored for people's pre-needs. Jesse says, well, who in the hell has a pre-need for this many coffins, unless they're planning a massacre? The containers were being stored in Madison, but these claims surrounding them are false. And while conspiracy theories about the COVID-19 pandemic having been planned have raged for more than a year, there is no evidence that this is the case. The containers in the video are real, and they're called burial vaults, or grave liners, and they're made by a company called Vantage Product Corporation. The vaults are meant to protect interred caskets. They also keep the ground from caving in at burial, said the company's vice president, Lisa Barlow. She also said that the majority of cemeteries across the United States require the use of burial vaults when a body is interred. Vantage's then-Vice President of Operations, Michael Lacey, said that the vaults are stored for people who prearrange for their funerals. It's common practice for people to make their funeral arrangements well before death, including secluding a casket and burial vault. Once this selection has been made, the local funeral home that has made the arrangements can purchase the burial vault from Vantage Products, and we will store it for them until the person dies, Barlow said. Okay, so... It, this seems plausible to me. And back then, when I was doing all this research and, and going through all the conspiracy theories, it didn't seem plausible to me. I, I was actually believing that these were, you know, coffins that were bought by the U.S. military, U.S. government, somebody, and being held up on these FEMA camps for some sort of a situation. But this does seem plausible to me. The fact that the coffins were not used during the COVID-19 pandemic says a lot in debunking this conspiracy theory. Now, do they exist? Yes, they do exist. Are they for mass burials? Not likely, especially since they are liners and not actually coffins. Guys, I've dug around for answers about FEMA camps for hours and hours. I came up with very little that can provide any real truth to this alleged cover-up. I think this conspiracy theory has died. It may be a slow death, but it is dead, in my opinion. That being said, there are hundreds of detainment centers operating all over the country for illegal immigration management. And as far as I can tell, these facilities can easily be used as detention centers to hold American citizens against their will if they are deemed enemy combatants or threats to national security or enemies of the state. All they need to have to pull this off is an easily controlled, freedom-hating, elitist president in the White House who will wave their magic wand for anyone willing to fill his or her pockets with gold, silver, and power. So glad we don't have one of those in the office right now. My Prepper Brothers and Sisters, for American citizens who are not prepped and ready for SHTF, a FEMA camp may be a lifesaver for them during an SHTF. But we're Prepper survivalists. We won't need government help or government control when the zombies come and end the world as we know it. We'll be living and thriving together as preppers when all the silly little sheep are being rounded up and herded through the razor wire top gates of their sanctuaries. Let us know if you want to be on the show. We'll make that happen. Stay prepped. Stay happy. Thanks for listening and good night.